All right, hello, uh, Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast. Good morning, Jake. How's it going? It's going well. I am uh, fresh back from the dentist. I have no cavities, so I'm happy. Um, Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. We uh, we are record. We we literally had this slot set to record, and about one minute before we started talking, I texted you. Well, basically, you said, "Hey, can we delay it a half an hour? I've got to do some paperwork for uh, my job." And then you texted me back and said, yeah, we can go now. I'm good. And I said, perfect. Now we have something to talk about. And you thought I meant paperwork uh, and were con- was confused. But what I really meant was Prince, it just as we were sitting down a podcast, it hit the, the news wire that Prince died. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I totally thought that you were talking about uh, the paperwork I had to do for work. I was like, that's not going to be that interesting for the listeners man i had no idea but then i, I started you don't know that phone. though you don't know that how many listeners listeners come on email us how many people want to hear about jake filing paperwork for rental apartments in new york if it's what you guys really want to hear about i'll talk about it next week but unless i <laughs> unless we get swamped with emails and facebook messages begging for the details about the paperwork i i I, I got to talk about Prince, man. We well, we uh, we could turn this into the uh, the sleeping podcast, where if you're an insomniac and you can't fall asleep, you listen to Jake talk about paperwork, and then you just sort of drift off to sleep because of the the paperwork talk, or you commit suicide, one or the other. It'll be like white noise to kind of kind of put people out. Yeah, just as this droning. Section A of the affidavit says the renter must uh, pay the landlord on the first of every month if he does not pay. But, you know, you just read all the paperwork until the people are asleep. That'd be cool, man. But I did you read like what he died of? It, it said that he went to the hospital from like a flu a week ago or something. Yeah, he. I, I remember when that happened. That was the first thing when it hit. It was I said, well, I remember he, the, his plane airplane made an emergency landing in Illinois. Really? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, the flu. And that freaked me out because to take this back to a podcast we did a while ago, I spent Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three or four days in the hospital with my 18-month-old son who had bacterial pneumonia. And there was my wife just read a story two days ago about a woman in Florida that died of the flu. And it's just fucking weird to think that these, you know, you, you don't think of pneumonia or the flu as being a killer. You think of cancer, AIDS, or big diseases. Sure. But yeah, it's 2016. And the flu can dehydrate you. You cannot catch it. It can weaken your immune system. It, yeah, you, you can die from it. And it's just, it's freaky fucking weird to think that's what takes out an icon like Prince. Well, yeah, especially a guy like Prince who did as much drugs as he did in the 80s. And the whole time he's sitting there thinking, oh, I'll bet Coke is going to kill me. Uh, I'll bet uh, Quaaludes are going to kill me if that was still a thing in the 80s. I'll bet... Oh, is this the first hit of ecstasy ever? I'll bet this is going to kill me. And then, not nah, flu, 57. It's fucking nuts, man. Oh, it's the, it's the, the, the Keith Richards argument. Is like drugs will either, you know, they could argue. The autopsy will be interesting to see if the drugs overall weakened his system. Or, you know, because you have the Keith Richards, which is he did all the drugs and alcohol and tobacco in the world. And it's like nothing. He's a cockroach. Nothing's going to kill him. Yeah. But then you have the Barry Gibbs who do cocaine and don't even get in like Eric Clapton deep to cocaine. And it enlarges their heart and kills him. Was it Barry Gibb or Andy Gibb? I forget. I, I, I don't remember either, man. It was one of the Gibb brothers that died of an enlarged heart from cocaine. But, uh. 
But yeah, yeah I guess sucks. I guess we don't really have much to talk about because we don't know much other than it looks like the flu. Like it was funny, it happened so not so fast, but my wife texted me and said Prince is dead, and I Googled Prince and it said death at his recording studio. Like the internet really didn't have it worked out that it was him. They just said that the police were investigating a death at his music studio. And then within like three minutes, it was, oh yeah, it's actually him and it's natural causes. It's not like a rap studio in New York where a bunch of fucking rappers went in with guns and got into a rap fight and shot one another as happens. in good old rap fights. Yeah. I miss those. There was one a couple weeks ago, I think, and it, it, really? it, it, it wasn't big news. It made me nostalgic. It was like unknown rappers fighting and shooting one another. I'm like, ah, oh, remember the days? That was that was the 90s. Yeah, right? all the wars are on Twitter now, man. It's just it's not the same. It's just not the same. No. Well, that China the wrestler died too, man. Oh, that's true. She did, and I, I have a friend uh, who is a wrestler, and that was her first post this morning about how broken up she was. And it's 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 horrible to say this, but how sad is it that that Prince is just going to completely overshadow China? Like nobody's going to remember that she died today. It will all be it will be today is the day Prince died. Like nobody's yeah. going to remember China. If if you want to be like a B list celebrity who dies a little bit before their time, you gotta you gotta make sure that no A listers check out within like the next week or so. You gotta you gotta call around and make sure that no one's. Uh, no one's got the sniffles. No one's getting too high. No one's, you know, uh, going swimming while they're drunk. I, I I don't know. You know what this reminds me of? Uh, do you have any idea who Eric Carr is? Eric Carr. No. He died the same day or the same week. I think it was the same day. I'd have to look it up. As uh, Freddie Mercury. Eric Carr was the replacement he was the very first drummer after peter chris to play in the band kiss like when peter oh, chris okay. the 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 cat left he put on fox makeup or some shit like that so yeah he was the he was he was in kiss from like 1980 to 91 when he died or 90 so he was in kiss for a while but yeah it was it was like oh eric carr dies of something and then freddie mercury dies and like nobody remembers eric right, carr dying right. because he was like just sort of the replacement drummer for kiss even though he was in kiss for a long time and and this makes this this has nothing to do with anything. But I thought of this the other day. It seems odd to me that uh, I can't pronounce his last name, but Robert, the bass player in Metallica right now, has been in Metallica since the year two thousand. Jason Newstead was in Metallica for maybe ten years, from like nineteen ninety to to about two thousand or ninety nine. So he was only in nineteen. So Robert has been in Metallica longer than Jason was. Yet he still feels like the new guy to me. Like I think that Jason yeah. was the bass player, even though Cliff was the bass player. Well, that's because, I mean, yeah, he may have only been in it for the first ten years, and this guy's been in, in it for the last twenty. But I, their peak was definitely those first ten years. I'll even say first five. Well, that was so with Cliff Burton. I mean, they they did definitely peak. I mean, they shot out of the gate with Kill Em All, then Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets was probably their best, and Justice for All was okay, the Black Album had a couple, but see, the thing is, the Black Album was their biggest album. It sold the most, it was the most commercial. Was he still on there? And well, he, that's when he joined, yeah. that was his second album. And, oh, okay. And Justice for All was his first album after Cliff. I, th I thought he was on later than that. No, no, Cliff died uh, on the tour of Master of Puppets, when they were touring for Master of Puppets. With, with the bus accident, so Jason was oh, brought in. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, he finished that up. But I hear what you're saying. That is a very good point. You, you, 
Metallica still can sell out a stadium, but they're not selling millions of albums. It's kind of like the Rolling Stones or U2. U2 sold out five nights in a row at Madison Square Garden and the Chicago United Center and in Houston, but, well, yeah, but, but nobody buys their bands. albums. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of those big bands that have been around for, you know, 30, 40, maybe 50 years, you got to wonder, okay, how many people are coming to hear their stuff within the last decade or two? And how many people are coming to hear the classics? Because it's probably mostly people are coming to hear the classics. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I saw you 2 on the second to last tour. And it's, the thing with that band for me, I, I like them a lot. They always, on every album lately, they put out two really, really good songs. And the rest of the album just isn't that great. And, and that's not a yeah, slam on them. Yeah, I think that's them. a fairly common thing for musicians it in is. general, man. And that, that's not a slam on musicians. The thing is, I mean, think about a one-hit wonder. Think about how difficult it is to write a really good, catchy song. And you have, like, U2 was able to do it on Joshua Tree, where they wrote almost the entire album was fantastic, or Octum Baby, the entire album was fantastic. Right. And then, you know, I remember reading an interview uh, with Sting. Um, he, he said that when he was, his, one of his kids, I don't know if it was a son or daughter was being bored back in the seventies and the janitor was walking down the hall, whistling the song, uh, walking on the moon off the album Regatta de Blanc. And he's like, I knew then we were going to be successful. And he said, from that point forth, I would write a song and I would know this is a hit. This isn't a hit. But then I remember him giving another interview in the 1990s where he said he just sort of let the record company decide what to put out as a single. Because he's like, I just write songs now and I like them, but I don't know what's going to be a hit anymore. And yeah. I, I just thought that was an interesting transformation to lose from like when you're young and hungry and have to prove yourself to the world. Like, I demand to be heard. You know what songs are good. And then by the time you're an icon and sting, you just sort of like, OK, now I write songs and let someone else farm out the business side of it yeah that makes sense i mean at the end of the day is sting going to be able to write a song now and still get paid for it absolutely is he going to be able to write a song now and have it be considered up there i mean long-term legacy wise with like fields of gold or something like that like no man so i i think he sort of realizes that and he's he's just like look i my legacy is secure as long as I don't go like, I, I don't know, Michael Jackson or Jared from Subway or fucking Bill Cosby crazy. Like, as long as I don't do anything, as long as I don't fuck it up, I'm always going to be known as a great musician, you know? So I, I'm just going to write some songs I think are good and spend the rest of my time just enjoying life. Because I've, I've already, I, I arrived decades ago, like, I'm, I'm fucking good, you know? Yeah, I mean, Elton John still can command and you know an audience and he hasn't written a hit album since the 70s like he was right. popular in the 80s but i mean he had that one when when princess diana died he just rewrote one of his other songs to be about her but it wasn't like he was re, he wasn't writing benny and the jets anymore he wasn't writing and he always had bernie Taupin as his writing partner but yeah he's he's not putting out iconic um elton john songs anymore yeah, somebody told me uh, when when Scott Wayland died, like he was saying that it was just a guy I used to work with. He was saying that he had just seen them the year before, and they were doing all songs from uh, like Core, and then another one of theirs, like another one of their 
big albums. You know what I mean? Like like back in the nineties. And I, I remember thinking that's it's such a better way to do it. I mean, you can still tour as a band. You can still do all that. But fuck it, man. Play the songs people want to hear. It's that honestly is gonna probably be better for your legacy than just Axl Roseing it. You know, just just getting a bunch of other guys and continuing to write music. That, that no one wants to fucking hear. They're showing up to hear the stuff from the first like four or five albums. So just give them that. Fuck it, man. You're gonna remember be remembered for that as opposed to all the shit that Axl Rose has done since Slash left. Like I know they're they're touring again together now. This is probably the better move, man. Just tour with them. Write the write the songs that got you big that people enjoyed. You know, and and, and there's no there's no shame in that. Yeah, I mean that I read. Uh, well, maybe it was a MTV behind the music or a VH1. I'm sorry. Uh, what was his name? Um, uh, Jane, Lane, the the lead singer for Warrant, and he was so angry at the song Cherry Pie because it was a one hit wonder that he didn't feel it defined him. Even though that album sold yeah. a million copies, he was so angry, and it's like. Really? Do you want anger to define you? You just don't want to be happy that people took enjoyment? Like, I'm going to see Sting and Peter Gabriel. They're touring together, and they're going to do what's really neat. is like they're both going to be on stage at the same time. It's not like Sting is opening for Peter or Peter is opening for Sting. Yeah. Uh, they're going to sing one another's songs, which I think is going to be interesting. And during the promo interview uh, video, the, uh, the guy asked, like, what songs are you going to sing together? What songs are you going to choose for the repertoire? And Sting just laughed and said, well, I've, I've never been ashamed to admit that I like singing the hits. Like, I know the audience wants to hear that. And Peter got a little quiet and said, well, you know, I think we're going to mix it up and be interesting. And in my mind, I was going, no, no, like, I love you, Peter Gabriel, but nobody wants to hear the obscure B-side track from the single from Shock the Monkey, you know, like... Yeah. They, they want to hear Shock the Monkey, so it was neat to hear Sting, you know, just saying, yeah, fuck it, people like the hits, I wrote the songs, I'm proud of them, that's what I'm going to play. Everyone will leave the show yeah. happy. It's it's not like with with his hits, he was just sitting there going, well, I, I'm doing artistic stuff I care about. With every song on the album except for these three, I'm writing these <laughs> only for the man, you know? <laughs> this is all for Ronald Reagan and, and an evil lizard man in a fucking man suit you know that just just came up to me and was like sing i'll suck your cock with my forked tongue if you write fields of gold write fields of gold sting like no I, he wrote songs that he liked and then the you know a bunch of them took off and fuck it he's gonna sing the ones that he liked that also took off it's a it's a win-win and that's the thing when you have like a band like um like you two that, that still puts out albums is generally they know uh, like when I saw them on tour, um, I, I, I could look up the set list because they put the set list out for every long. It was, it was like, so they put out a new album and then they go out and they play maybe three songs off that album. Like say they're going to play 20 songs. They're going to do 17 that are just crowd pleasers. And yeah, they're going to put two or three in because, you know, they want to move the new album. They're, it's not like they're not proud of the new album. They want the new album to sell. But... If it's not as good, it's not as good, and there's nothing you can do yeah. about that. Well, yeah, there's there's also no shame in a band who, you know, they they produced great music for a while, and then and then it wasn't as good. It's like what, you're gonna you're gonna produce all a material for five decades. I mean, if you didn't, no, it's not. I'm, I'm not even saying don't make new music. I'm I'm just saying like complaining because 
the new U2 stuff is not as good as the shit in the 80s. It's like, well, yeah, they're old men at this point. <laughs> yeah. Music is very much a young man's thing, unless unless we're talking like old school blues stuff or jazz or some shit. I, I, but, you know, like like rock and roll, that's a, that's that's for fucking young people, man. I'm not, I'm not saying older people can't, you know, play the hits or maybe make some newer stuff. Or I mean, it's, you know, it, well, it's, it's, it's weird, man. It's also, it's their last album, which I really did not like, seemed like art for the sake of art. And that's not good. Like, let's let's talk about comedy. My comedy today is nowhere near what it was when I started 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I had just gotten dumped, cheated on, I was angry, I was yelling at audiences. It was like punk rock comedy, and it didn't always go over. Now I'm old, I'm married, I still have a bite to my jokes. Like, people still find me, you know, to, to be not mainstream but I know how to sell it differently. So I have changed. I'm older and wiser, and you can get away with things if you can relate to the audience. And Right, but I feel like comedy, there's a lot longer shelf life. Yeah, on, I, on I was actually arguing like a musician, you know? accidentally against what you were saying. Like I was rapping, I was trying to compare the two, but you're, you're yeah. right. As I was speaking, I was realizing that I'm just arguing against what I was saying because music is energy. And you have that edge, and right. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying there's certain genres that it can't work with. I'm not saying classical, I mean, but, jazz. Yeah, you can be, you can age well in those. A very important thing, I feel like, if you're going to be a, 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 a rock band and you keep keep going, you, you can't do what like Def Leppard does, where you're just oh, like yeah, fat yeah. old middle aged man. That's so it, annoying to me. You got to do what Eric Clapton did. You know, like he had the bell bottoms and I'm like a young hippie guy. And I'm, I'm, this is my, my, my thing. It's, it's, you know, hippie music from the sixties and I'm a young guy and I'm doing this, but then he got a little older and he even remixed some of the songs back then with like slower blues guitar. You know I mean? It, it, and it worked really well. I mean, there's no shame in throwing on a, a fedora hat or something and just sitting on a chair and, 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 playing a, a blues style from one of your old songs. Yeah, do it, being the old guy in spandex, that's that's not good. Yeah, and like the thing with Eric Clapton, uh, as an example, there is absolutely, absolutely nothing wrong with going from playing arenas in the 1980s to theaters in the 1990s. Like, do you really yeah. want to be that guy that's like, no, man, I got to play the arena to 2,000 people and 18,000 unsold seats or do you want to be the guy that plays the theater to 2,000 sold-out seats and no, you know? But I saw uh, Motley Crue about four years ago, maybe five. Um, they, they came through Iowa, and I looked up ticket prices, and they were $22. And I'm like, that is about what I'm willing to spend for Motley Crue. Because I looked them up at other places, and they were like $40, $50. I'm like, no, that's not happening. Yeah, old guys dress like they're 19 years old. There's something fucking weird about that. You well, it's not, I mean? it's not just dress. That's what I was going to say is you reminded me of that when you talked about Def Leppard, fat guys in spandex. It doesn't work. Like, I went to the Motley Crue show, and I had a blast. It was wonderful, but it was hilarious. It was wonderful because I was laughing the entire time. You had these four guys that walked out, and not only did they dress like they were 19, they acted like it. You had them, every, anyone that ever got close to a microphone, Vince, Mick, Mick didn't talk because he never talks, but Vince, Nikki, or Tommy, 
All they would be like, how the fuck is everyone? You guys ready to fucking rock and roll? We're going to fucking smash your faces in. Fuck yeah. And I'm Bunch of there, fat old 50-year-old yeah. men going, where's all the hot groupies, man? Exactly. Any cheerleaders want to come backstage and fuck Death Leopard? When a pudgy 50-year-old guy is screaming, are you fucking ready to fucking rock and roll? You just laugh because... It doesn't sound right. You you you're looking at it and your eyes are going. You are a grown ass man, and you're. I just got the stables out of my hernia last week, <laughs> but I don't give a fuck. I'm still ready to rock. But and the sad thing was, is I I was laughing, but there was a lot of the audience that was just sort of, you know, my age, but dim. Like that to me is even what's more depressing is when you bump into someone that's your age that you know that you grew up with. And they haven't really changed or grown or developed yeah. as a person. So it's they're still sad. holding on to that. You know, like, dude, I fucking... Because I know people that were unironically... And, and I, I, I shouldn't pick on people for what they like, but they were unironically interested in going to see Motley Crue or Kiss or they want to go see yeah. Guns N' Roses. And I have, like, an absurd sort of idea. Like, maybe I'd see Guns N' Roses for free just to do it. But I know people that are just, they're, they're, they're into it. Like, yeah, guns. And I'm like, but it's not the same. They're geriatric now. And, and well, let's oh, go dude, back. I, go ahead. I do a lot of stuff in the East Village. And uh, there's a street called St. Mark Street where there's a bunch of, like, punk rock shops and stuff like that. Yeah. And every now and then you'll see some, like, old man. And, and I mean, they look older than they really are every time you see them. But you'll see a guy who... You could tell was a teenager or whatever back in the 80s when punk rock was really big and, you know, it was really new. And, and you'll see him walking down the street in, like, the spiked leather jackets and everything. But they look like my grandpa, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because it's yeah. like they've still been partying. <laughs> they've still been drinking hard. They've still been doing all the drugs. And so it's, it's not kept them looking very young. And so, you know, they have, like, just, you know, just balding gray hair and wrinkles fucking just horribly but you know they got the, the holes in the jeans and the spiked leather jackets and the you know the, the leather gloves with no fingers and you're just like dude come on man what are you what are you doing <laughs> and that's why uh, again to bring this back to two bands we've already talked about uh when i did see you two like three years ago or the police i saw them on their reunion tour they act like men. Like, they, they don't... The U2 doesn't slow it down. They're still energetic, but the, they, they're not jumping around on stage. Like, the police, you see their early videos, and they were full of anger and energy. And then when I saw them on this tour, they, they were, like... They were playing their songs, but, like, musicians. Because the police were always solid, solid musicians. And that's what they did this time around. It was like, we're going to play. We're not going to jump around on stage that much, but you're going to fucking enjoy the yeah. music. And th and that's, you know, they played like men. They didn't, they didn't walk out in, you know, like, like anything they would have worn when they were in their twenties, which yeah. would have been silly. That's the way to do it, man. Oh, well, let's bring, it. Let, let's bring it back to Prince then. Like, because he, he, he died at his recording studio. So it means he was putting out new music and he always did put out an album every few years. I can't remember the last one, but I remember he uh, did that thing to try and end around music sales. He put out an album with a concert tour, uh, you know, maybe five, ten years ago, so that if you bought a ticket to his concert, you automatically got the album. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, and then there was another, but yeah, so he's still putting out new music, but I couldn't tell you a single Prince song beyond 
you know, the early 90s, no. so even though he's put out albums since then, which doesn't make it any less tragic because he could have always right. toured, and you know, because he's still Prince. But yeah, he's, he's just another victim of your peak. That's all there is to it, your right. peak. Right. He could still sell out arenas, but people wouldn't be going to hear his newest album. They'd be going. Yeah, they're going to hear, hear the hits, man. Yeah. But dude, on a on a slightly unrelated note, we we had the primaries. Yeah, that's what I thought we were going to talk about the entire time. But then Prince died, so go for it. Start start yeah. with the primaries. I got I got two things I want to talk about with the primaries. All right, so this is kind of a funny funny little story, right? Like me and me and my girlfriend were just kind of laying around that morning, and and I I asked her if she was going to vote today, and she was like, "Well, no, I uh, probably not. I'm not really sure which one I want to vote for." And I was like, "Well, you know, she's been kind of torn between." Uh, Hillary and Bernie, and I was like, "Well, you know, what's 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 kind of making you feel torn about it?" And this this was her this was her response, word for word. It was fucking great. She goes, "Well, I like a lot of what Bernie Sanders says. I, I like that he's making things like education and and, and medical insurance cheaper, uh, but I also feel like Hillary Clinton talks to the terrorists a lot, and she'd be able to keep us safe from them if they tried it." <laughs> <laughs> I, I got nothing. I, I, <laughs> I had nothing. All right. I was like, yeah. You know, touche. I think you won with that one. I think I, you need to be Hillary Clinton's campaign spokesman, spokeswoman, <laughs> spokesperson. There you go. Hillary. She talks to the terrorists and will keep us safe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the two things I wanted to talk about, uh, it was great because I, I immediately. She's coming in because she hears me talking about her. Nah. <laughs> it was all good. He wasn't bad. I know but you know what? I did. I did win her over. She did vote for Bernie. She did. Well, I, you know, it does. I don't. How's that a win over? I mean, either one is fine with me. I like them both. Or you know. Um. Anyway, the the thing I want to talk, and, and a friend of mine, Ryan, posted this on Facebook, and I was so happy to see it because yeah. it's what I was thinking. Because Tuesday night on Twitter. All the bullshit started like, oh, voter suppression. This is bullshit. Bernie's actually winning, blah, 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 blah. And then they showed a map of New York. Did you see the, the map of, the, of New York and how it voted? No. Okay. Um, Hillary won New York City, Manhattan, the boroughs, all that, and uh, Buffalo and, um, you know, like another large city. The, she, she won the, the, the cities in New York. Yeah. Sanders won the rest of the state. He, run, he, he ran the table everywhere rural. Sanders won. And people were saying, this is bullshit. Look how he won the entire state. Except yeah, but they did that shit when, um, when, when Romney lost. They would show maps of the United States by district. And yeah, if we're just talking like square footage, sure. He won a lot. But he's winning towns with like seven people in them, man. That doesn't, Thank you. In, in upstate New York, that's what, yeah. And, and, and that's okay, what I was going to say. In, in rural areas, too, because they were doing that shit in the general election. All the hey, yeah, this is what losing looks like. And then they'd have a map of the United States. It was all district. And so it was mostly red. And it's like, yeah, because you're winning all the rural areas where there's like seven people and some combines, man. Like, that's, that's what's out there. Exactly. And I was going to take it one further, which is whenever you talk about a Republican victory and how they play to the small town mindset of bigotry and fear, you don't get to flip that and say, 
Oh, because rural went for Sanders, suddenly rural is smarter. If the cities where blacks and gays and Muslims all cohabitate and generally don't kill each other every day, whereas in the rural section, you know, you can't say small town values are better, but then when it flips to your guy Sanders, you can't suddenly say there's something better about it or look at how the rest of the state is smarter. It's like, no. New York City's 8 million people. Yeah. You know, Iowa's like 2 million, that whole state. And so you got to think in this one city, that's four times as many people as in these is, is in the entire state of Iowa. So it's like, yeah, if you win that city within that state, that's pretty huge. Like you basically just won that state because that's a fucking massive chunk of people. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what I was going to say. I can't remember. I, I said I wanted to talk about two things. And the other one's a brain fart on me right now. It was uh Shit, something along those... Oh, the other thing was that voter suppression thing, I think, where they said, and I I don't know too much about this, but apparently a judge upheld um, something like 200,000... There were 200,000 people that were denied the right to vote, and I don't know why, but I know that it went to court and a judge upheld it, and Sanders people were... Oh, I remember. Oh, I remember the other thing. But it's like, you can't really say every one of those 200,000 people was going to vote for Sanders. That's not, and it was in Manhattan. It was in the Bronx. I was like, that tip, that went for Hillary. So you can't say, well, if those voted, maybe you would have lost by more, you know? Here's the other, here's the other thing I I remember. Uh, I don't know, man, the Bronx, I, I, I would imagine the Bronx would go for Sanders. I have no idea, but here's, here's the other thing that happened. Um, right after Sanders lost, uh, they were saying, well, it's unfair because independents swing to Bernie and they weren't allowed to vote Democrat because they weren't registered Democrat. Now, the reason I find, uh, you know this, it's a closed primary. I wasn't you know registered going as Democrat either. I, I was voted independent and I sent in an affidavit. Yeah, well. Maybe, you, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll rip it up, but you can change who you're registered to. Oh, and that's, that's the, the thing. Is my whole point is last week, everyone was making fun of the Trump kids, like it was all the news. Do you remember? It's like, oh, two of Trump's kids can't vote for their dad because yeah, they didn't point. register. They can change who they're registered. Well, no, no, the you were. Spot, man. You, I don't. Well, I don't know if can't you can. Maybe as long not as, you're as a Republican. You can change, can't you? I, you can in Iowa, but I think the the whole point is you can't make fun of the Trump kids for not registering to vote for their dad and then bemoan and cry when it happens to you. Either it's funny or it's not. That's the way it works. Like. I personally think it's funny all the way around. Like, oh, you forgot to register. You didn't change. Whatever the fuck it is. It's, yeah. you don't get to say, ha ha, Trump's kids. Wait a second. I'm an independent and I want to, no, you got to register. That's, it's, it's either funny or it's not. Well, because I, I, as long as you're already registered. You can just change. You can, your. Yeah. I mean, it might, it might be one thing if you're like registered as a party, but I know I was registered as independent. I was, I was able to vote. So well, see, I I was I did it on the spot in Iowa when when I caucused. I was registered Republican yeah. so that I could get their literature. But it's a closed uh, thing, so when I showed up, I had to change my registration so I could go to the Democratic side and I caucused for O'Malley for like two seconds. There were three of us. There were three people for for Martin O'Malley. But that's that's interesting, man. Do you think like since? Since you can, as far as I know, you can change it on the spot as long as you're registered. So do you think maybe Donald Trump's kids, that was their way of, like, coughing out and not having to vote for their father? You know what I mean? I if wonder. They, if, like, they wanted to stay registered Democrats? Like Maybe the hot change, right? maybe the hot daughter uh, didn't want to vote for him, but his asshole sons are always off in Africa killing big game. So I can't imagine they're, you know, 
wise enough to not vote for their dad. I, I think they'd probably love the shithead. I don't think the apple falls far from the tree. Oh, Christ. Speaking of Trump supporters, I had this lady come to my open mic and, and, and go up on stage uh, who was... I, I think she was actually a comic. Like, it seemed like she had jokes, but she, she said she was a, a Trump supporter. Which, female Trump supporter, you don't expect to see those no, a lot. No, no. And she also looked like she definitely had some sort of mental disorder. Uh, well, that explains well. it. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, yeah, that's, uh, that's about what I'd expect a female Trump supporter to look like. But she had... She looked like she'd had a stroke or something. Like she had something to where like half her face wasn't moving. When she well, that's talked. sad, but and it also the, yeah, explains. Yeah. yeah, it's sad, but explains why you know. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm like that. It seems like a spokeswoman for Donald Trump. It yeah, seems yeah, about right. Indeed. All right, Jake. Well, good talking to you. Uh, we've never. Oh, talked... dude, one thing I was thinking about though. Yeah. With, uh, you know how, you know how Michelle Obama's thing is making kids skinny. Yeah. Like, like making him lose like child child obesity. You think maybe if Trump wins, his wife Ivanka or whatever, like like she's gonna be the first lady, but she's like an Eastern European supermodel or whatever. Do you think that she might take over the same pet cause, but she's gonna do it in a really cold, hardened Eastern European model way and just be like, women, the young girls need to get skinnier, but stop eating so goddamn much, puke up lunch. Use Botox. Like, do you think it's going to be that kind of thing? I, I, that was a, that's a good point. And or plastic surgery. It's like, yeah. you need bigger boobs. You must you must have the plastic surgery. You need the boobs. <laughs> get the boobs. That would be hilarious. She'll be, she'll be raising fundraisers uh, to get uh, unattractive young girls plastic surgery and shit. <laughs> well, it's about time we had a first lady that uh, beautied up the ugliness of American children. I'm it's voting true. Trump because of it. She'll be pushing the old school Barbies, the skinny ones, not fat, chunky Barbie <laughs> who likes to eat Oreos. Do not buy Oreo Barbie. She is ugly. She is fat. She is lazy. Buy old Barbie, pretty Barbie. Barbie, Barbie. All right. Uh, what I was saying is we'd never talked music before, so that was fun to it's talk true. music for the entire yeah. podcast. Listeners, I hope you liked it. Um, next week, if you want Jake to read his uh, contracts for, for work, he'll do it. You just got to let us know. Or if you want us to talk more music, either ask us to talk more music or get more musicians sick, man, because it seems like that's the only time we want we talk music is yeah. when someone dies. Or send us a topic you want us to talk about. All right, thanks yep. for listening. Later.